The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. State of the Union, and you said something we haven't heard before, that you're in this through the, through the convention, the summer. Yep. But here's what you told us in July. Listen. After I lost in New Hampshire mm-hmm. eight years ago, Poppy, I got out. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I wouldn't feel comfortable asking donors uh, for more money hmm. um, or voters for their vote if I didn't see a realistic path you- to victory. Then you also told the New York Times in September, if I don't do well in New Hampshire, then I leave. What changed? Uh, well, nothing's really changed. I just have gone much better in New Hampshire. And so it seems to me that um, there's no path now that doesn't include me continuing. I'm going to do well in New Hampshire. What's well? Uh, I, look, I think right now I'm in the top three, and I think I'm going to do even better than that. Um, and so, you know, that's what's changed. What's changed is that we started to move up in the polls pretty significantly. Um, Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy have dropped significantly in New Hampshire. And so that's what's changed. And so um, I'm going to continue to keep you guys updated um, as circumstances change. And uh, circumstances have changed. So you like the polls right now? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, look, I still don't think the polls are really extraordinarily accurate. <laughs> he's staying in it for the long haul because he's surging in the polls. So you like the polls? Well, I don't think they're uh, very accurate, these polls. <laughs> You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is... The Trumpet Daily. Thank you for joining us on today's show. You can get to the live video stream of this show at TrumpetDaily.com. That would be our website. But you can also watch it at the Rumble channel. Just go to Rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily. And you can watch the show there. You can join in on the live conversation or chat. You can leave some comments at Rumble. And you can also give us the thumbs up. I noticed a thumbs down before the show even started. Not even giving it a chance. Someone out there is already unhappy. We have a Debbie Downer somewhere out there listening in or viewing or maybe not even viewing. Maybe just go there, put the thumbs down on and move on. Lots and lots to get to on today's show. Probably the first and last program that will lead with Chris Christie, who is surging in the polls, the polls that he can't trust. I guess he's in third place in New Hampshire with about 11.3% polling in his favor. Uh, Nationally, he's got 2.3%, but he's in it for the long haul. Now, yesterday, as we examined the polling that's going on right now, and compared it to 2016 when you, you had people like Ted Cruz that was getting 25, 30% of the vote, or at least the polling. John Kasich even was somewhere around 20%. Donald Trump, he wasn't over 50% in any of those early races. And yet he wins the nomination. This time around, I mean, he's polling at 55, 60%. He's just crushing the competition. And as I've said over and again, imagine what it would be like if you actually had Republicans rallying around Donald Trump. Instead, they're there, as Chris Christie is, just to get Trump 
They're part of the uniparty. And Trump has to be taken out. So he's in it for the long haul this time because he's going to be getting Trump through and through. Well, we'll see. We'll see after New Hampshire's over, the primary there, if he stays in it. But if he stays in it, when you're polling at 2.3%, seriously? Tucker Carlson's latest uh, one-on-one was with Steve Bannon, the, uh, the podcaster, he used to work for Donald Trump. And he made a point, it's the same point my father makes in Malachi's message, on the importance of courage. And he said, I think he's talking about that fighter that I mentioned on yesterday's show, the one from Ireland, who came out and said, what, what is wrong with you, you leaders, siding with Hamas? Or when there's a, a Muslim stabbing people in Dublin, you just ignore the story or the essential facts of the story. What is wrong? He's commenting, Bannon is, on the courage of that fighter to speak out, to make himself a target. Now he's under investigation. And then he talks about the courage of the bad orange man as well. This is clip 10. But I think people in times of turmoil look to people who are fighters. You know, I think it was uh, Churchill that said courage is the most important of all the virtues because it's it, it's on virtue that all the uh, it's on courage that all the other virtues rest. I think you're seeing, you know, he didn't have to do this by being so vocal. He put himself out there as a target, just like you. Once you're out there, if you step forward and say, hey, this is not right. This is what we have to do. We have to think about the country and we have to think about the country's citizens first. All of a sudden you're a target. He, he could have a great life. He's, you know, he's launching pubs. He's a he's an internationally known guy. It's like Trump. You could go do other things. You don't need this. He's doing this, I think, for his great love of Ireland and the Irish people. And like I said, he's got some rough edges. But remember, in what I call a fourth turning in turbulent times, you're going to have the Donald Trumps of the world step forward. You're going to have the Conor McGregor's. Those are the people that are going to come through in times of turmoil. This is not these are not era where people that have worked in the state legislature and just punched all their tickets are are really, I think, what people are looking for. They're looking for people that are courageous and these are not normal times, says Bannon, and people are out there. They're, they're hungering for leaders with courage. And so this is why Donald Trump is surging in, uh, in the polls, even among blacks, Hispanics. It's right across the board. Listen to this from Fox News, clip eight. The co-founder of Black Lives Matter, Rhode Island, is endorsing former President Trump and calling out the Democrats for what he calls years of racist policies. Watch. You know, we've been used and abused for so long by that party. They don't value our vote. Uh, Their policies are basically um, racist policies. And I believe it's a racist party. Donald Trump, is he's the opposite. He's going to tell you how how it is. He's going to give it to you straight. Trump has done more for the black community than I can any president I can think of in my lifetime. And he's not alone in his criticism. President Biden faces dismal approval numbers among black voters in key swing states. This is catastrophic for Joe Obama. I mean, to be polling like that among blacks, that guy that was on that clip there, he's he's the co-founder of BLM in Rhode Island. And He's voting for Trump. I mentioned Rappaport yesterday, the Hollywood actor. Just despises Trump. 
but he's seeing this, this surge of anti-Semitism right across the nation. And he's like, Trump's on the table, as far as I'm concerned. You see why the, the Democrats, the radical left, you see why it's so desperate to try to destroy Donald Trump any way possible. The ends justify the means. Listen to this uh, same Fox News bit on uh, blacks swinging over to the side of Donald Trump, clip uh, nine. What is the big reason? I think personally, it's the duplicity of the Democrats. Mm. The hypocrisy, um, we're not stupid. The brothers are not stupid. We, we understand when someone's for us and when someone is not. And it's obvious that the Democratic Party is not for us. It is obvious. They just have taken it for granted, the Democratic Party, that they'll always have the black vote, that they'll always get above 90%. Now Trump's polling at uh, 20% or higher among the black community. And so it's coming down to the Jeroboam and Antiochus figures. Jerobo Donald Trump and Barack Hussein Obama. Listen to what Mark Levin, the, comment the conservative commentator, what he said recently about who's pulling the strings of the puppet, clip four. Trump throughout the entire playbook, the entire playbook's been totally wrong. And he certainly threw out Obama's playbook because that was insane. But now Biden's in office, he takes Obama's playbook, and he's in chapter, probably the epilogue, near the end. He's got the same failed, moronic reprobates around him that Obama did. And it's my view that Obama is calling the shots in many, many respects. Yet another, add another one to the list of commentators, acknowledging what we had in this book <laughs> years and years ago. Well, I mean, in 2013, when it came out, Obama was actually in office. But ever since the election steal, ever since the steal of 2020, we've been saying that Obama's the one. He's the one that orchestrated the steal. He's the one that installed Joe Biden as the Democrat candidate back in 2020. He's the one that told the other Democrat candidates to step aside. This uh, Washington Examiner piece, look at this cover. You've got... You've got the dear leader. He's on uh, a lawn chair uh, on the beach, I guess. He's reading through his memoir. He's smiling away. He's surrounded by destruction. He's surrounded by devastation. And what's the headline there? It's his fault. As I say, yet another conservative commentary acknowledging what is becoming obvious. It should be obvious. Obama stayed in D.C. All of the Obama people returned to the White House once the fake president was installed. Yes, indeed. He's responsible. It's his fault. The, the Middle East blowing up the way that it is, that's Obama's doing. That's, Obama's, that's thanks to Obama's playbook. This is Sundance over at Conservative Treehouse says, while it's good, this is respecting the hostages that have been released. I mean, if you thought that these false narratives weren't crazy and just insane, look how the hostage release is being treated in certain circles. Yeah, there's actually commentary out there saying that, yeah, I think they were treated pretty good by Hamas. I think... 
the, I think the people that butchered Israelis and raped women and beheaded Jews, I think they treated those hostages pretty good. Sundance says here, while it is good news, excellent news, about these hostages being released. The Israeli and foreign hostages are slowly being released by Hamas. The politics of the dynamic are abundantly, uh, they're abundantly clear. The slow release, trickle, trickle, trickle. It's all meant to handcuff the IDF to prevent Israel from defending itself. He says here, the background effort is also clear. The aligned interests of the Muslim Brotherhood and the U.S. Biden administration is to maintain a gauntlet approach where the two-state solution is the only option for Israel, backing Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu into a corner. Imagine this, Western leaders, after Hamas gets away with butchering thousands, at least 1,400, Israelis. Then they get a, evidently they get a state as well. This is the way Joe Obama thinks. This is the way Barack Obama reasons. Yeah, give them a state too. Give them everything they want. Biden's been out there saying it. This is Representative Ro Khanna, what he said earlier this week, clip five. Their military capability has been diminished with the bombing in northern Gaza. But their political support, and sometimes actually increases every time you have images of children and women killed. That's why there has to be a diplomatic solution. Until there is an independent Palestinian state, uh, there is not going to be peace or security in that region. And America needs to show leadership. I believe our Gulf allies will help us if we bring the diverse Palestinian voices to the table. There needs to be one condition. Any Palestinian voice at that table needs to recognize the state of Israel. And then we need to work towards an independent Palestinian state. Which is exactly what Gaza had before they invaded Israel and started butchering Jews. That's at the top of their agenda. Kill Jews. From the river to the sea. The Palestinians... The Hamas, Palestinians, Fatah, same thing. Their desire is a one-state solution. One Palestine and no Israel. But you've got the talking heads, you've got the ruling class, you've got the, the Democrat elites out there saying that the butchers deserve a larger state. A larger state. The two-state solution. If October 7 proved anything... It's that the two-state solution and the peace process leading to it, the complete and total evacuation of Gaza in 2005, 6, whenever it was, it's, it's been an abysmal failure from the beginning. We talk about it in our literature as Judah's wound, the peace process, the so-called peace process. Look at how it wounded Israel. You can look at some of our booklets. The King of the South comes to mind, Jerusalem in Prophecy. We have those available at our website, thetrumpet.com. You can call our operators and request either of them or both. There's no cost, no obligation. Call them and ask for the King of the South and Jerusalem in Prophecy. The 800 number, it's 1-866-930-3024. Coming back to this piece by Sundance. It says here, if you drop the pretending... It becomes crystal clear to see the hostages are being used as leverage to stop a counteroffensive by the Israeli military. See, Hamas can go in and do whatever it wants in southern Israel, and the world will quickly forget 
but Israel can't can't launch a counteroffensive. Or if it does, they come under intense pressure to pull back to make sure they don't kill any civilians. It says here, uh, the Obama-Biden administration, that's Sundance, here, and yet another commentator, the, why, you might as well just call it the Obama administration, the Obama administration alignment with Qatar, the Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Palestinian Islamic Jihad permeates the media narrative. Just wrap your mind around this for a moment. If you can, Obama aligned with the Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. The only one left out, of course, is the number one state sponsor of all these terrorist groups. That would be Iran. It says it permeates the media narrative with calls to negotiate terms for peace and hostage release. See, we need a ceasefire. We need peace. We've got to do it for the sake of receiving the hostages back. Trickle, 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 the hostages will come as Hamas shields itself, in this case, behind Israeli hostages. Benjamin Netanyahu, it says, is being painted into a corner by the Biden administration, who are using the U.S. military presence as a shield to force Israel to follow the approved program of the U.S. government. It says, Biden et al., want to protect Hamas while simultaneously calling residents of Gaza victims to the interests of Hamas and the PIJ. They want to protect Hamas. It's worse. They want, like you heard from that clip, they want to empower Hamas. They want to grow the size of the Palestinian state. It says here with 200 plus hostages held, by Hamas and up to another 50 held by PIJ, the slow drip of successful hostage release negotiations, and really he should put successful in air quotes, the slow release, the slow drip of successful hostage release negotiations becomes the justification to stopping the Israeli war counteroffensive. It says, who are the people? Listen to this final point. Here again, (laughs) America is under attack. So is little Judah, the little state of Israel. It says here, who are the people really driving this narrative and foreign policy effort? The Obama crew, of course. This is straight out of the JCPOA. This is the Obama crew through and through. This is the Obama doctrine, the Obama foreign policy. He hates Jews. He does. The Jew hatred It just permeates from the Obama crew. That's true. This is from The Hill on the Joe Obama people putting pressure, putting pressure on Israel to to stop with the counteroffensive. It says the Biden administration is issuing urgent warnings to Israel over the next phase of its military operation in Gaza, saying a campaign in the south of the Strip must not be carried out to the same level of destruction as took place in the north of the the country, in the north of the Strip. So, hey, okay, you did your bombing, you got into Gaza City, but you can't now go south. That's where so many of the Hamas operatives have fled, obviously fleeing for their lives. It's either going south or in the tunnels. 
somewhere to hide from the counteroffensive. And then the slow drip of the hostage release. We'll use that as a strategy. And then we can dupe the media, so many in the media, into believing that actually being a, a hostage in the tunnels of Gaza is a pretty good, it's a pretty good thing. It's like being on vacation, I guess. The administration is proposing that Israel agrees to areas of deconfliction to include UN facilities and so on. This comes from the UN Secretary General. He says, we're witnessing a killing of civilians that is unparalleled and unprecedented in any conflict since I have been Secretary General. Unparalleled? Of course, they're taking whatever the Gaza Health Ministry, ministry says at, at face value. 11,000 civilians, supposedly, have been killed during this Israeli counteroffensive. Let's just let's play along with the UN Secretary General and, and take that figure, that 11,000 figure. We tweeted out earlier today on our Trumpet uh, Daily uh, X page, I guess I should say, just some of the, the, the conflicts going around the world. 11,000 civilians in Gaza. How about 21,900 in Yemen? Civilians. This, according to what? According to UN data. The UN. The Secretary General's UN. Forget the guy's name. Antonio Guterres. He's the Secretary General. He says he's never seen anything like what's happening in Gaza. Look at those numbers, whether it's Yemen, Syria, 25,000 civilians killed. There's war going on in other places. What is it with this spirit behind the UN Secretary General or the media suggesting that this is the worst we've ever seen? Really? As we tweeted... There's nothing unparalleled or unprecedented, even if you believe Hamas's figures. What about, uh, what about Afghanistan? What about Ukraine? Look at the lengths to which people will go to try to portray the civilians in Gaza as perfect angels. And then they don't say anything about some of these other conflicts where civilians are being slaughtered in numbers far exceeding what's happening in Gaza because Israel is so careful, so careful to try to go, go in with, without any <laughs> collateral damage. Of course, it's impossible. Even as carefully, <laughs> even, even with surgical strikes, it's still impossible because they hide behind, they hide behind civilians, human shields. But this is the kind of propaganda that's coming out of the United Nations. I mean, the Jew hatred at every level is so strong and you can't understand it unless you understand a little bit of truth about the devil, the father of lies, the father of murder. The devil hates the Jews. He hates the Jews of Israel. He hates spiritual Jews, God's people. And he comes after them with hatred with violence, anything that he can do to destroy, to blot out the Jews. The Daily Mail had a piece on what some of these Gazan, or rather Israeli hostages, and of course they're not even all from Israel. These are hostages. There's something like 13 or 14 Americans. I think 31 Americans were slaughtered in the attack on October 7, and then 14 more taken hostage. 
How is this not a, a, a career ending event for the fake president? How is he not resigning in shame? No, he just still gets out. He's taking credit for the hostages being released. And then he's got his allies in the mainstream media saying, yeah, they were treated pretty good. Treated pretty good. The Daily Mail says, as groups of Israeli hostages were released from Gaza in recent days, an army of medics, child protection experts, and trauma specialists battened down the hatches and shielded them from the media spotlight. But this article goes on to say that the relatives of these victims, these hostages, are coming forward, describing what they went through, describing all the weight that they lost because they were nearly starved to death for 50 days. Children being put in cages that used to really offend AOC and others. The thought of little children being put in cages? 84-year-old woman. It's reported that she was not given vital med medication while in Gaza and is currently in unstable condition. Another elderly, elderly woman. Another elderly woman said she feared she was on her way to be executed in the build-up to her release, only to find that she was being freed. Well, that's, that's a feel-good story. But these butchers in Gaza, they didn't treat the, uh, the Jewish hostages like uh, they were best friends. Jerusalem Post says, Women were abducted from Israeli territory and held hostage, in and held hostage by Hamas in Gaza, were kept in cages, according to uh, Israeli media. It says the claim is, not the first of its kind. In the days immediately following the October 7 attacks, videos from Hamas's telegram channel showed child hostages being kept in cages for the majority of their time in captivity. Think of it being in solitary confinement, in darkness, in little cages. Hamas distributed a letter on Monday allegedly written by Danielle Aloni, who was kidnapped alongside her five-year-old daughter, Amelia, and held in captivity. In the letter, written in Hebrew and translated into Arabic, she reportedly thanked Hamas for the extraordinary humanity provided to her daughter, who felt like a queen. And so here, Hamas takes that. They were forced to write that. And then Hamas takes it because the media, the regime media, is so corrupt. It's so anti-Israel. It's so pro-Obama. Hamas takes it, distributes it, and the media run with it. No questions asked. How do you explain this? What a world. You think this world is going, the world as it is, as we see it today, do you think this world is just going to continue on as it's been going for another few centuries? Maybe another thousand years? How much longer can, can this last? We are living in the last days, pure and simple. We're living in the last days. Perilous times. Violent times. When, when the hearts and minds of men are on evil continually. This is where we are, for sure. The letter is one of many that hostages were forced to write, according to Israeli media. Survivors reported being provided with limited food, while being held hostage without clear reports of physical abuse or torture, of the small rations they received, sometimes only rice and pita at best, the hostages were often left to cook the food for themselves and for the children held with them. It says here it refers to another one, a 10-month-old prisoner. 
No, look at this video, this footage from uh, over the weekend, uh, two women that were released and, and being forced to smile, clip, uh, even told to look at clip six. Bye now. Hi. Goodbye. Wake up. Goodbye. Good week. They're actually told there at the end, keep smiling. Keep smiling. And of course, if you're in their position, would you do that? You're about to be let go. You're about to be freed. I mean, you would be writing a letter congratulating your terrorist friends, smiling away, anything to get out of there, to anything to get out of the nightmare. But then, as I say, you've got the regime media. One of the blue checks. I've got it right here in my notes. She says, I'm not a facial expression expert, but judging by the look in their eyes and the expression on their face, I'd say that it's a look of appreciation and thanks. Might it be that she's saying thanks for being treated unexpectedly well while in captivity? What's it going to take for these sick people, these sick commentators, to finally wake up to what's actually happening? As we've said all throughout this tragedy, this is just a tiny, tiny foretaste of what's coming on our nations, the nations of Israel, particularly the United States, Britain, and little Judah in the Middle East. Notice what it says in Deuteronomy 28. Verse 28 says, The Lord shall smite you with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart, and you shall grope at noonday as the blind groping in darkness, and you shall not prosper in your ways, and you shall be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save you. As I say, when you, when you think that the madness of it all has just about reached peak levels, then along come the hostage releases, the drip drip, as Sundance says, and the commentators saying, Actually, I think Hamas was pretty nice. Yeah, I think, uh, I think those Hamas people really are humane. And they really are. They really are just trying to give. And they, they really just want a, another state. A Palestinian state that includes West Bank. Verse 32, this too is in Deuteronomy 28. It says, Thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto another people, these are, these are, I mean, this is part of the, the curse, or these are part of the curses coming upon our nations. That's described in, in great detail here in this book, The United States and Britain in Prophecy. You can get to this book through the website or with the 800 number. This is sort of like the foundation, <laughs> your, your prophecy or prophetic foundation for understanding the events of this world for knowing where we're headed. Verse 65, this is in Deuteronomy 28 as well. It says, And among these nations you shall find no ease, neither shall the sole of your foot have rest, but the Eternal shall give you there a trembling heart and failing of eyes and sorrow of mind, and your life shall hang in doubt before you, and you shall, be, you shall fear day and night, and shall have none assurance of your life. They have some of the victims that were in the tunnels. They, they couldn't even keep track of time. 
They didn't know if it was day or night. Just down there in solitary confinement. And then they're released. And the Hamas gunmen, they're there telling them, you better keep smiling. You better keep smiling. How disgusting is this? And that people would not just fall for it. They take it and run. They take it and run with it because they're so wedded to the narrative. They cannot be separated from their false narrative. Nothing will awaken them to the truth. Nothing. Saw it on October 7. We saw it with the demonstration, the worldwide demonstrations that followed thereafter. And now we're seeing it with the hostage releases. And, and, and Barack Hussein Obama using the hostages to handcuff Israel and their counteroffensive, their response to this attack. It says, in the morning you shall say, would God, would God it were even. And at evening you'll say, would God it were in the morning. For the fear of your heart wherewith you shall fear, and for the sight of your eyes which you shall see. That's in Deuteronomy 28. Like I said, these blessings and curses, chapters, Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26, those are outlined in some detail in the United States and Britain in prophecy. When we come back, we'll continue with this, this all roads lead to Obama theme as we shift gears a bit and talk about the economy. The economy that the, the Biden people are out there saying is just perfect. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to email the show, you can send feedback to tdatthetrumpet.com. We'll be right back. One third of your Bible is prophecy, and 90% of it is for our time today. This is why when you study Bible prophecy, you often read statements like, in that day, in the last days, and at the time of the end. Biblical prophecy is what makes the Bible so relevant to today, so essential to understanding our modern world. Most people, even in the world of religion, assume that nations like Britain, America, Germany, Russia and China are not mentioned in Bible prophecy. But if prophecy is mainly for our time today, how could the Bible ignore some of the most powerful and prominent nations of today? The key to understanding prophecy is knowing the biblical identities of modern nations. Learn about these identities in Herbert W. Armstrong's book, The United States and Britain in Prophecy. In this book, you will learn about the astonishing identity of the American and British people in biblical prophecies. Request your free copy today, The United States and Britain in Prophecy. The Armstrong Institute of Biblical Archaeology, or AIBA, is a non-profit academic and educational institution headquartered in Jerusalem, Israel. AIBA showcases Israel's biblical archaeology and makes it available to the largest audience possible, especially to the people of Israel. The institute is named after Herbert W. Armstrong, who had a long and rich history with Israel and biblical archaeology. 
The Institute works with many of Israel's most esteemed academic institutions, including Hebrew University and the Israel Antiquities Authority. AIBA features and continues Dr. Elat Mazar's archaeological work and that of her grandfather, Professor Benjamin Mazar. The Institute promotes the Bible as a credible and essential historical resource in Israeli archaeology. It analyzes and explains archaeological excavations and discoveries, past and present, in the context of the Bible. Armstronginstitute.org publishes articles, scientific reports, and videos on Israel's biblical archaeology. The Institute produces Let the Stones Speak, a magazine about biblical archaeology. It also organizes private tours of the Ophela and the City of David, as well as public seminars and archaeological exhibits. AIBA sponsors and participates in archaeological excavations in Jerusalem, primarily in the City of David and Ophel. The Institute office is located in an upscale and beautiful Jerusalem suburb, near the official residence of Israel's president. Institute staff moved into the office building at the end of August 2022, after seven weeks of renovations. The building provides residential and office space, an area for small archaeological exhibits, and room for the Mazar's combined libraries. The book collection contains around 4,000 books from the Mazar's, and another 4,000 from Hebrew University. This library represents a wealth of crucial historical and scientific knowledge about Jerusalem. AIBA works to let the stones speak, proving the accuracy of the Bible as a historical record. To learn more about the Armstrong Institute of Biblical Archaeology, please visit armstronginstitute.org. And wages for working families have gone up while inflation has come down 65%. Well, this past week, as Americans gathered around their own kitchen tables for Thanksgiving dinner, that was our goal, <clears throat> to give them a little more breathing room. And together, we made progress. You know, uh, from Turkey to air travel to tank of gas, costs went down. They went down. Now, if people making a lot of money, that doesn't matter a whole lot because the costs are relatively small compared to wealthy incomes. In fact, as a share of earnings this Thanksgiving, dinner was the fourth cheapest ever on record. I want you all to know that. <laughs> I look at all the press, look at that. The press is particularly excited about that, I can see. But why do you think it is that when you say the economy is improving and President Biden says the economy is improving, that a majority of Americans outside of this building are not buying it? So here's the thing. When we walked into this administration, the economy was on a, tail, a tailspin. That is the fact. Because of the last administration, because of the Trump administration, and we understand what Americans have been feeling over the last two, three years. It's going to take some time. We get that. It's going to take some time, but it does not take away how we have seen the economy getting back on its feet. We actually had to fix the problem that we saw that the last administration left us. There you go. Tell everyone the economy is just fantastic. It's wonderful. It's never been better. And if people don't buy it, well, blame Trump. Blame Trump. It's, it's kind of like Chris Christie at the start of the show. Yeah, I'm surging in the polls. Oh, so you like the polls? No, 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 I don't trust the polls. 
I can't, I can't, you can't believe that the polls are accurate. I mean, they're talking out of both sides of their mouths. Is it fantastic or not? And, and there she is. She's basically acknowledging that it's not. And they're trying to fix everything that Trump did wrong. <laughs> and then the fake president to say it's the, the fourth cheapest Thanksgiving in history. What? They're just making it up. Fourth cheapest? You can't be serious. And, and then people, just like the blue check that says, hey, I, I'm no expert on facial, you know, facial expressions, but it looks to me like they enjoyed their time in the tunnels. You can see why that we need shows like this one or the trumpet.com or the trumpet magazine because this world is just submerged in a spirit of deception and lies. It's completely phony, just as we had on the Trumpet cover six, seven months ago. Bloomberg says it's hard to find an area of a household budget that's been spared. Groceries are up 25% since January 2020. And yet you've got the fake president out there saying, yeah, Thanksgiving's cheap. The Thanksgiving meal was cheap. It's kind of like the Babylon Bee headline that said, yeah, this year Thanksgiving's super cheap as long as you don't buy turkey. As long as you don't get stuffing. As long as you don't get turkey stuffing, pecan pie, uh, pumpkin pie, then everything's going to be just fine. It'll be a bargain. Says here, same with electricity. Used car prices have climbed 35%, auto insurance 33%, and rent roughly 20%. Someone was telling me a person trying to get a, a, an apartment in Central Florida. It's like, it's like $1,600 a month. Just a little one-bedroom apartment. It's like that all over the country. I mean, there's some places cheaper than others, but there are a lot of expensive places. And it's going up. It says here, those figures help explain why Americans continue to register strong dissatisfaction with the economy. Strong dissatisfaction. And yet they're still out there saying, it's just wonderful. They, they won't change their policies. They won't reconsider any of Obama's doctrines regarding domestic policy or foreign. Either one. It's just continue on with the fundamental transformation. It's all by design. It's all part of the attack. Listen to this from Fox News yesterday, clip seven. The number one issue, according to a brand new Bloomberg morning consult poll with swing voters, the number one issue is the economy. And everybody is feeling the pinch. You know, as it turns out, uh, prices have gone down, but because of inflation, they haven't returned to where they were before the uh, pandemic. Yep. And Bloomberg actually did the math, and you're not going to like this. So if you went to the grocery store before the pandemic, let's say you filled up that cart right there, you go to the grocery store, everything's 100 bucks. If you do that today, the same groceries, and you put them, you take them to the register, look how much you're going to pay now. You're going to have to have basically an extra 20 bucks in your pocket to pay for those same groceries. Everything's going up. Even if you get a pay raise at work, it's gobbled up by inflation. Inflation is so high. Housing affordability is the worst on record. Auto loan rates have soared because of inflation and because of the interest rates. Borrowing with a credit card has never been so expensive. It's all across the board. 
What was the, the headline there at the examiner? It's his fault. His fault. Barack Hussein Obama. This is what he wants. This is how you fundamentally transform the United States of America. We're in year 15 of that transformation. Donald Trump was able to push back a little bit for four years. But look at how Obama's deep state went after him to try to destroy him. And look at what he's doing now to try to destroy him. The bad orange man. It's like Steve Bannon said with respect to Trump. I mean, he could go off and do any other thing and he wouldn't be persecuted, hounded. Instead, he's standing up for what's right. He's not a perfect man. None of us are, but he's fighting for his country. He's one of the few. And, and yet you've got Chris Christie. They're saying, yeah, at 2.3%, I'm in it. I mean, I'm surging in the polls that I don't trust. It says here, housing affordability is at its worst on record. Auto loan rates have soared. And borrowing with the credit card has never been so expensive. This is uh, Bloomberg. Many Americans have seen their pay rise rapidly since 2020, but much of those gains have been gobbled up by inflation, just like you heard in that clip. Some of the fastest wage increases in decades have left the average American largely no better off than before. Consumers' frustration with prices and elevated borrowing costs could help decide whether President Joe Biden wins a second term. You can see why they're leaving the Joe Obama camp in droves. I noted that in the first segment. This is from uh, the Wall Street Journal. While all inflation feels bad, housing inflation is the worst. Housing inflation, eh, I won't take the time to get into all of the detail there. Let me just shift gears with the few minutes that we have left. Again, it, all roads lead to Obama. O Obama orchestrated the election steal in 2020. And, and judges across the nation, and even many state legislatures, did not have the courage to fight for the truth, to fight for the legitimate, the legitimate winner, they just couldn't do it. They're like Chris Christie. Well, as long as it gets Trump out of the way, then we'll just uh, turn a blind eye to the massive amount of cheating, all the mail-in ballot schemes, all the drop boxes, all of the mules getting paid for each fake ballot. Listen to Jesse Waters from yesterday, clip one. Trump's way up in the polls, so the Democrats are going to lock Biden back in the basement and blast the states in the face with mail-in ballots. The Wall Street Journal calls it a mail-vote time bomb. The 2024 election will probably be preceded by another flood of lawsuits over voting rules and absentee ballots. And Democrats are again up to the same old shenanigans. In Pennsylvania, ballots can come in with a signature that doesn't match. And it still has to be counted. Meaning if you write your name in cursive and that signature comes in left-handed and chicken scratch with your name misspelled, nah, still counts. And a federal judge just ruled mail ballots don't have to have dates on them. So no signature match, no dates. Pennsylvania still counts your ballots. And they're not going to start counting the mail-in ballots until Election Day. Because why count ballots before Election Day? Well, because then you wouldn't know how many you need to win later. 
So judges and lawyers and guys with cigarettes dangling from their smelly lips are running the count rooms. They're going to be playing a major role again in how Pennsylvania shakes out next year. They're setting things up for yet another steal. More, more cheating. No signature, no dates, nothing. Just as long as the, the hole gets punched for Joe Biden. We'll tuck him in the basement and he'll do just fine. I mean, he may get 91 million votes this time. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Trump pushes 90 million. So they, they can go to 100 million. How about that? Mass mail-in ballots. The title, he gave it to you there. A mail vote time bomb keeps ticking. That Wall Street Journal piece. It says here, in 2020, a Republican state Senate candidate, Nicole Ziccarelli, was poised to topple a Democrat incumbent whom she led by four votes. Eventually, she lost by 69 after the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ordered the tallying of some 300 undated mail ballots. Four of the seven justices, listen to this, four of the seven justices agreed such ballots were invalid under state law. So there was a majority on the court in Pennsylvania that agreed that it violated law, state law. It says here, but the swing justice said that given the circumstances, I would apply my interpretation only prospectively. It, it, it breaks the law, but you know what? I think that they should be counted anyway. Never mind. Never mind. There's no date. Forget about signatures and all that. Every ballot counts, right? Every ballot must be counted, even the fake ones. No cheating. <laughs> A perfect election, said Chris Krebs. A year later, the question was whether federal law overrides Pennsylvania's date mandate. Well, the Supreme Court didn't take it up then, and many are wondering if they'll just do the same thing again. Give it a pass. Give it a pass. There's plenty of never-Trumpers, even as conservative as the court is. You wonder how many of them are never-Trump. How many, though, next year? I mean, we know about the prophecy in Amos 7, where it says that uh, Donald Trump's going to receive support from the court. The, 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 the highest court in the land. And you wonder if all of this turmoil, I mean, there's Obama sitting on the beach and he's just surrounded by death and devastation. Maybe, maybe there's going to be a few more converts over to the Trump camp besides just that BLM co-founder in Rhode Island. I mean, that's pretty telling right there. He's not alone in the black community. You've got black hip-hop artists that are talking about Trump in their, uh, in their concerts. I mentioned the South Carolina game yesterday. Trump shows up, everyone goes nuts in a positive way. And, uh, and then the talking heads try to tell you, no, no, he was booed. Yeah, nobody likes him. No, no. He's very unpopular. There are so many people willing to peddle lies and deceit. Further on in this piece, it says, after Mr. Ritter's defeat was certified, he made a final appeal to the Supreme Court, complaining that the state had, has ordered all counties to count undated ballots in future elections. The justices ordered his case to be dismissed as moot, while also vacating the Third Circuit's ruling. I'm kind of picking it up in the middle of a thought there. But there's that. And then there's this interesting development in uh, Virginia, uh, a general registrar is being charged for 
altering the election results in 2020. So slowly but surely, just make sure that all these cases don't come out at once. Spread it out, drip, drip, right? And then you can always fall back on the position that, well, I mean, if there were, if there, if there were some cheating, it, it wasn't enough to, act, to actually tilt the scales in the direction of Trump. Just the News says, the former general registrar of Prince William County, Virginia, allegedly altered election results during the 2020 election according to court documents recently obtained by Just the News. However, the current general registrar says that his predecessor's alleged conduct didn't impact any election outcomes. Of course, of course, there was a a little bit of cheating, but not a lot of cheating. Certainly not enough to actually change or alter the result. It says in a county where President Joe Biden received 54% of the vote in the 2020 presidential election to former President Donald Trump's 44%, an election official at the time allegedly altered election results in the state's reporting system, leading to three grand jury indictments last year. Finally, someone's indicted. How about that? For election fraud. It happens all over the place. It happens where you have election officials, judges, and state legislatures that are unwilling to courageously face This kind of evil, this kind of cheating, this kind of stealing. If you don't confront it, if you don't punish, if you don't punish the perpetrators, then they'll just keep doing it. They'll just keep doing what they've been doing because it's been so incredibly successful for the radical left and Barack Obama's fundamental transformation of the United States. That is all that we have time for on today's show. We, we surely appreciate you joining us. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll see you again on tomorrow's show.